Welcome to US Rail Journeys, Series 1. Episode 16, coming down from the Sierras to Journey's End at Richmond on the California Zephyr. One interesting fact is that the train has to travel at a maximum of 30 miles an hour on the descent because it's quite a steep descent and if it travelled any faster there might be braking problems. As we cross Interstate 80 we'll see a gap in the ridge on the California Trail as it crosses the Sierra Nevada west of Donna Pass. The cliffs here are so steep that in the 1840s the pioneers crossing to California had to lower their wagons on ropes in order to continue. The countryside we're passing through nicely and slowly, I'm pleased about the 30 mile an hour speed limit, is absolutely stunning. The sky is completely cloudless and the sun is shining. I would imagine that during the winter, with the snow on the ground, it will be completely stunning in a completely different way. As we continue our descent, we're in the American River Canyon. And on the left-hand side of the train, in the valley, some 1,800 feet below us, is the American River. At this time of year, the river is pretty empty, so there isn't too much to see. But the views are stunning as we continue our downward journey. So we've got two people from the museum. And you are? I'm Gary Ranafel, and I've been a docent since uh, this is my sixth, sixth year of, uh, you can have this to compete with, uh, since uh, 2012. And you must enjoy it. Uh, extremely. It's, uh, I retired, and uh, you need a reason to get up every morning, and so uh, this is it. But I uh, also work on our excursion railroad as a brakeman, car attendant. Um, we have a shop where we do uh, restoration work on the old equipment. Um, I don't work in the museum that much, but we have a full fleet of um, docents who do work in the museum, and um, we also maintain signals on six grade crossings on our little railroad, and um, so it's a quite a quite a well-rounded program. Do you feel sad that most people in the United States never take the train? That that is true. It's. Um, uh, it is unfortunate because there's so much of the country to see it requires a little bit of time and a little bit of planning to do it but um, yeah it's uh, if you got the time it's a wonderful way to travel and have you been on any other trains in the United States or just the Zephyr no I've been on most of the Western trains um, Empire Builder which is along the Canadian border the um, Coast Starlight the Sunset Limited and the uh, Southwest Chief um, haven't been on too many Eastern trains but um, they're all unique. They all um, have uh, uh, things that you can see and do that uh, you can't do anywhere else. It's, it's, uh, we've got a big country here and there's a lot to see. A number of people have also commented that the passengers that you find on the trains are a very interesting selection of the, <laughs> the world's population. Uh, that's uh, probably true. It's, uh, we, we get a lot of people who are um, very um, um, inquisitive they, they want to know, uh, they, they take this uh, mode of travel, I think, to um, avoid the confinement and the uh, uh, hassle with airline traffic. And it's, um, this is uh, almost as fast as automobile traffic, not uh, a trip, but it's um, much more relaxing. 
much more comfortable. It's, it's so quiet uh, in most places. It's uh, it'll beat any any other mode of transportation. Well, thank you very much. It's been lovely to talk to you. traveling through used to be an area where there was significant hydraulic gold mining. Basically hydraulic gold mining was where they washed all the sand and grit away to get at the gold that was also in the soil. At one stage the railway had a major problem because its tracks ran over the same soil as everything else and some of the hydraulic miners tried to wash away the soil and the grit below the railway tracks. So police had to be employed to ensure that the hydraulic miners kept away. Hydraulic mining was banned in 1884. We passed Cape Horn, which is a rocky bluff on the left-hand side of the train, some 1,500 feet above the American River. The slope from there to Colfax, three miles away, is the steepest on our route. In the direction we're going, the easy way, because it's downhill, we finish our crossing of the Sierras. We arrived in Colfax exactly three hours late. The area around the town is known for pears, Hungarian prunes and Tokay grapes. And it was named after the 17th Vice President of the United States, who was in Ulysses S. Grant's administration between 1869 and 1873. We were told that there is a statue at the station of a prospector panning for gold during the gold rush days of the 1850s. However, none of us could see it. The unstaffed station was built in 1905 and restored in the early 21st century. In addition to a waiting room, there is also the Colfax Heritage Museum. The platform can be moved to accommodate Union Pacific Rotary snowplows as otherwise they would damage the platform as they go past. In 2015, 4,631 passengers used the station. We passed through Auburn in the heart of the Gold Rush country. Gold was discovered just south of the town at Sutter's Mill. Claude Charna, a young Frenchman who'd come by wagon train to California, is reputed to have made the discovery on May the 16th, 1848. A 45-tonne statue commemorating the event stands in the town. We're certainly reaching civilization, passing through small towns and also houses with lush gardens and heavily watered lawns. One of the towns that we just passed recently Civilization definitely has arrived because it has an example of the Dollar Tree, a shop that is similar in concept to Poundland in the UK. Hello. The trees have changed from conifers to mainly deciduous, and we're going through industrial areas, urbanized areas, and still Hello. some rocky cuttings. Hello. 
The scenery is still pleasant, but not the spectacular scenery that we had up in the Sierras. now just arriving in Roseville, fractionally less than three hours late. I think we've gained about ten minutes. Roseville was settled by prospectors who had originally come to California to look for gold. It was originally a stagecoach station but soon became a stop on the Transcontinental Railway. In the 1900s the Southern Pacific opened a major goods marshalling yard here which turned the town into a railway town. The station is used by the California Zephyr and Capital Corridor services. It was opened in 1994 and the unstaffed two-storey building pays homage to the Southern Pacific stations from the early 20th century. It was used by 50,338 passengers in 2013. Once we leave Roseville we've got about 100 miles to go and roughly three hours to cover the distance. For those who are interested in railway trivia, the marshalling yards at Roseville, modified and modernised in the late 1990s, have over 125 miles of track within the yards. We've just crossed the Sacramento River and we're now coming into the city of Sacramento, the state capital of California. There's a lot of new building going on here, they're mainly wood-framed houses that are then rendered. The state capital was first settled in 1839 and the city grew significantly during the gold rush. The city was the western end of the Pony Express and was the starting point for the eastbound railway construction designed to meet the westbound track at Promontory Summit, Utah. Sacramento is where the American River crossed before arrival at the station and the Sacramento River after departure meet. The station, in addition to serving the California Zephyr, is used by the Capital Corridor, the Shan Joaquin and the Coast Starlight services, as well as the local light rail Gold Line. The station was opened in 1926 and over 1,027,000 passengers used the station for Amtrak services in 2015. From Sacramento onwards, we now head back down the line that we first travelled up last week, and our next stop will be Davis. We're now pulling out of Sacramento, two hours and eight minutes late. That means that we've already picked up 52 minutes of our delayed timetable. So hopefully, by the time we get to Richmond, where I'm getting off, we will only be two hours late. We're now passing through an area of which I would normally term suburban sprawl. Lots and lots of housing, shopping areas, and on the other side of the tracks, some quite large warehousing and distribution facilities. The sun is still shining and it's a beautiful afternoon. The leaves are starting to turn to their autumn colours. and The train is now picking up speed on its way to Davis. just coming into the outskirts of Davis. 
having passed through some prime agricultural land with fields that look as though they're used for arable farming as well as small orchards. The city of Davis is home to University College Davis, the largest campus of the University of California. And in 2012, it was ranked the greenest college campus in the US by a magazine with 20,000 bicycles used as the primary transport mode to, from and around the campus. The railway station was built in 1913 and is in the Adobe style, served by the Capitol Corridor, the Coast Starlight, as well as the California Zephyr. In 2015, it was used by 372,554 passengers. As we approach Martinis, we have just passed Susun Bay, home to the mothballed fleet of World War II ships and others stored there for many years. Martinis began as a trading post in 1849 and grew to become a flourishing town by 1876, when it became a hub for the golden shipping industries. Although there are many competing claims, the town does claim the invention of the Martini. The station, opened in 2001, was used by 363,717 passengers in 2015. The train skirts the shore of Pablo Bay and then San Francisco Bay as we cover the final miles of our journey. And so we reach our journey's end in Richmond. I'm getting off here because the BART trains run from Richmond Station, whereas they don't from Emeryville. The station was rebuilt in 2007 and is used by 4,434 BART passengers on average each day. In addition, over 700 Amtrak passengers using the Capitol Corridor, the San Joachim and the California Zephyr use this station each day. The Coast Starlight passes through without stopping. I hope you have enjoyed my journey. All I have to do now is have one night's rest before checking in for my flight back to Heathrow tomorrow. It has been a great pleasure to go on this rail tour with you and I hope that you will follow me when I next go on one. I thank all the great people who've allowed me to interview them as I've crossed America. These are the people who've made these podcasts possible. Whether you've been passengers or staff, thank you very much. It's been great talking to you. I'll be back with a new series of US Rail Journeys in the fall of 2019. This podcast has been made by the Mr. T Podcast Studio. Thank you very much for listening 